Hello and welcome to episode 75 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and I'm joined once again by my good friend, Evan Etheridge. How you doing? What's going on, man? I'm doing good. Nice, nice, nice to hear. Uh, so um got a lot to talk about this episode. We're going to talk about all three teams. Uh, I think that will be the first time that we've done that. Talk about all three in one episode with some detail, but... um. We're going to start off with the headliner of the week, which was the Falcons versus the Chargers and a uh, pretty disappointing result for the Falcons. Um, they are no longer by themselves in first place as they lose to the Los Angeles Chargers 20 to 17 and the Buccaneers beat the Rams also. So it is now tied for the number one spot in the NFC South. Both teams are four and five. Um, so yeah, we'll get to the game now. Uh, before the game started, though, there was a couple of notable injury things going on. Uh, Cordero Patterson made his return from the IR, which was pretty important. He had a very good game, and uh, he is one of the most dynamic guys on this offense. And him having him back healthy was a huge, huge thing for the Falcons. And uh, A.J. Terrell, who is probably their best defensive player, is still out. Um, and that uh, kind of reared his ugly head because the Falcons were really, really bad um, defending the pass in this game, so they could have really used Terrell. Um, but uh, we can uh, start off with the very beginning of the game, and it started off really well for the Falcons. Um, they got on the board first with a Cordero Patterson touchdown. That was his uh, first of two. They ended up getting a field goal after that to make it 10 to nothing. So um, things were uh, starting off pretty well for the Falcons. How are you feeling early on? As uh, There were some good vibes for a second there. Yeah, came out came out swinging. Uh, you know, great to have CP back. I love him. He's he's becoming he's he's becoming one of my favorite players in the league. It's just he you can really tell he wants to be here in the culture, and you know he just brings that energy. You know, he, it's a guy that you you would love to have on your team. And so you know, getting him in the end zone early was was a great sign. You know, we running the ball good first first quarter. So yeah, can't can't beat the can't beat the start we had of that game. Yeah, it was um really nice. Uh, defense played pretty well too the first couple drives, but um, the Chargers did eventually come around on offense, and a big part of it was their running back Austin Eckler, who had a big game himself. He scored their first touchdown, the second, with about a uh, four minutes thirty seconds left to make it ten to seven, and then the Falcons go three and out and give the Chargers the ball back with um just over two minutes left in the half when they go on a ten play drive to score another touchdown with Austin Eckler. And, um, you know, it was 10 to nothing. Then just like that, it's 14 to 10 at halftime. Um, so we can kind of breeze through things uh, third through the first half of the fourth quarter, really, until things get um really wild, get really Falcons-y and Chargers-y, too, because the Chargers are like Falcons West. They um tend to get these kind of games also. So it was kind of uh, just about what you'd expect from these two teams. But um to start off the second half, the Falcons had a pretty bad turnover um in the red zone from Drake London, who just really just got um, straight up bullied by Khalil Mack. He just straight up just took the ball from him like he was a little kid. Um, Khalil Mack is a massive human, and he's very good at playing football. So those kind of things are just going to happen time to time. But that was um, – I know you were hot about that play when it happened, watching this game together. So, yeah, what, were you, what are your thoughts now on the <laughs> that play? Because that was, that, was, that was pretty wild. Yeah, it was tough to watch, uh, you know, London was just trying to stretch out a couple more yards, you know, inside the five, which, you know, you can't really complain with that. But, um, you know, you know, they were looking to just 
get a turnover, you know, inside the five. So, I mean, Khalil Mack, his arms are bigger than my legs. Um, yeah. You know, he just he just snuck up on London, who had no chance, and just ripped it out. I mean, it was it was a frustrating play. You were just I was just yelling for for London to go down with it. Um, you know, because because there was three guys on him at the time, and you know, had a good had a really good chance to get in the end zone the next couple of plays. So I didn't really, uh, yeah. I mean, that just just bad luck, honestly. Yeah, and the crazy thing is that is the second worst fumble of the day from the Falcons, which mm-hmm. probably kind of thought it'd be hard to beat that one of just getting just like just taken from you, not even knocked out, just yanked away from you. Uh, but we'll get into that later. Um, that, that's the play of the game right there. But uh, anyways, things um, that play actually did end up being a huge deal because on the next possession, the Chargers had the ball and um, Richie Grant picked off Justin Herbert on a tip ball. So the Falcons got the ball right back. And uh, they cash it in. They were able to get that turnover in the end zone. And a Cordero Patterson, another touchdown, made it 17-14 to 14 with a 344 left in the third quarter. Uh, but uh, they had a chance to go up again um, with uh, about 12 minutes left in the fourth. But a young way coup with a rare miss from 50 yards out after a nine-play drive. That was kind of a gut punch there, um, you know, because you just leave it open for the Chargers to tie the game with a field goal. And uh, instead of it being a two possession game, it is still just a field goal difference. And uh, that's exactly what happened. The Chargers went down and tied it um, on a on a field goal with a 527 left in the fourth quarter. And this is where things get a bit wonky. So the Falcons go three and out on their next drive, give the ball back about four minutes left. And then the Chargers get down into Falcons territory with a minute 35 left. And it looks like the Chargers are going to run down the clock, you know, um, it's going to get a last second field goal, yada, yada, yada. Doesn't look, look like, like the thing with everybody's heads is the Falcons need a turnover. That's the only way they can survive this. And they get that. Um, Austin Eckler coughs up the ball on a, on like about a halfback dive, just right up the middle, gets recovered by Taquan Graham and bless his heart on, on returning the ball. He just, um he just drops it. Like wasn't even touched. Well, wasn't even close to being touched, really. And um, I wasn't even trying to switch hands. He just dropped it. And um, Chargers recovered it. And that, uh, yeah, that was so bad. So, so Falcons. The, the um, turf monster got him. The turf monster, man. Yeah, it, it, it's, ugh. it's... I'm just um, running yeah. that play back in my head. And, and, you know, there was no one near him. I mean, I guess he saw Herbert cutting across. Um, but Herbert's not an intimidating guy. I mean, you're you're 300 pounds. You know, just get out of bounds, man. Just go down. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what he was thinking, man. Like, I guess he thought he could return it, you know, maybe get us into field goal range. But, you know, there's still time on the clock, man. You just got to take the turnover and, and run, run this thing to overtime if not. But, you know. Yeah. And even, if he, even if he did just fall in it, the Falcons had a chance to, with the offense on the field, to get into field goal range themselves. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I like I can't blame him for trying to run a man. Like he just recovered a fumble and he's like, it's just it's at the oh, heat yeah. of the game. You're trying to do as much as you can. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, especially with like with a defensive lineman like that getting the ball. Anytime that happens, it's just like go down, get out of bounds because you, you saw him drop it when the one touched him. If he gets tackled, he's probably gonna fumble it then too. Like <laughs> it's just kind of what happens. These guys don't touch the football or like really ever. Mm-hmm. So um you know, unless you're just like a crazy, like unless it's like Aiden Hutchinson, you know, I kind of trust him with the ball more. But Dequan Graham's the defensive tackle, not defensive end. He's a big, big boy. And um, yeah, but despite that play and how terrible and awful that was, 
this was actually still a positive on the whole for the Falcons because it uh, knocked the Chargers back at a field goal range, um, put them on the 36-yard line, which I guess that is still technically field goal range, but their uh, kicker, Dicker the kicker, it was his first game with the team all year, and that's a very long field goal for a rookie. I think he's a rookie, a rookie kicker. But, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the Falcons' pass defense just uh, giving it all back all game and uh, especially bad because the chargers were without Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, their two best receivers. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So like I said, Falcons got Falcons had hope, knocked the chargers back 14 yards, but um, Justin Herbert completes a 20, 21 yard pass to Josh Palmer gets them right back into field goal range. Um, they run it down and the chargers win on a 37 yard field goal. Uh, Josh Palmer had a huge game. He's their wide receiver one right now without, um, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, but uh yeah, so um what are your thoughts on the pass defense and just that uh just that that play was just such a punch in the gut, that 21 yard completion. It was just all the energy was sucked out of the stadium, it felt like after that one. Yeah, it was tragic, you know. Um, you know, you recover it for half a second and then and then give it back to him, and then they got first down. Um, and they still had two timeouts, I think. Um so yeah, that was just a, a punch in the gut, really. Um, but you know, we had multiple blown blown opportunities to win that game. I think uh, you kind of look back to that young way coup kick. Um, that that would have been huge, and that that was just unlike unlike him. Um, I don't even think he had the leg to get there. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was just weird, very weird, very him. weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was just a punch in the gut. I it, that one hurt. That one definitely hurt. And I'm still thinking about it. Um, yeah, yeah. And that one that one hurts bad, especially because um these games were going on at the same time, but the Bucks played at 425 and the way they won their game, like they were just they played awful all game. And at the very last minute, they just go down. I mean, I don't I didn't get to see the end of the game, but I went back and watched it and the Rams were just playing not to lose on that last drive with the Bucks went out and won it, and that made it even more annoying. Um so yeah, like I mentioned, uh, the Falcons right now are technically in second in the South. Um, because the Bucks currently have the tiebreaker, but they're both four and five, um, so a tie, second, whatever you want to call it. But um, on the bright side, like we mentioned on a few episodes ago, the Falcon schedule is very, very easy, and uh, this was kind of one of the games that you kind of circled that they might lose. Like this one in the Cincinnati game, where two, they're like, you know, they might lose these games. The Chargers and Bengals are more talented than them. They still have their really easy schedule up ahead. Uh, they play tomorrow night against the Bengals, or not the Bengals, the Panthers. And then um, they got the Bears, the Commanders, the Steelers, and the Saints. We're all bad. So everything is still out in front of this Falcons team. You know, we know they're not the most talented bunch, but they play, they play for the most part, um, sound football, disciplined football. Um, Arthur Smith has got them coached up pretty well and is calling pretty good plays. But um, I, I, I still feel relatively good about their chances to make the playoffs win this division. How, uh, how do you feel about it? Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, our, our, our combined losses this year, other than the uh, Cincinnati game, we've, we've lost by a combined points of 14. So yeah, that's tough. That's uh, tough. four losses separated by 14 points. That's, I mean, we've, we've covered almost every game, I think, uh, except, yeah, for, except uh, for the Bengals game, the that's Bengals it. game and this one by, uh, by one point, I think they were a two and a half, I know we covered favorite. this one. It was three and a half. We covered. It was okay. Okay. Well, yeah. America's team, right there. Good um, teams win. Great teams cover. <laughs> that's right. That's the saying. So Falcons. Falcons are free money. 
So but, uh, yeah, easy, easy schedule coming up. I think they need to take advantage of it and really just play downhill, get, get Terrell back, maybe some other guys in the secondary and keep running the ball. Well, I mean, we ran it so well this, this game and, you know, bears yeah. commanders, I think we can take, take advantage of those teams. For sure. And speaking of running the ball, the, um, playing the Panthers tomorrow, like I said, and they are awful on, on their run defense. It is terrible. They just gave up five touchdowns to Joe Mixon. Um, so, and they just got torched by the Bengals last week. Um, so yeah, it, the, we just had that crazy game with the Panthers. So we know that they're capable of beating us, but, um, you know, with the Falcons, the way that their pass for pass defense is looking now and just how good the Falcons can be running the ball. It seems like a bad matchup for Carolina, but uh, we'll see. They got the primetime slot. This is the only primetime game of the year for the Falcons. So soak it in Thursday night football. <laughs> this is a, this is a definitely a primetime matchup between these two teams. Yeah. I actually have a question for you. Um, is it Desmond Ritter time? I mean, Mariota, like he was fine in this game for the most part. His role is just so small, it's hard for him to mess up. So when he does mess up, it's a lot more noticeable and notable because of just how little he throws the ball. Um, you know, I don't I don't think they're gonna do it. I, I just kind of I want to do it for more of a long-term outlook for the team of seeing what Ritter has. Short term, it might not be the greatest thing because Mariota could just be just a safer option. Um, and I think that's the Falcons know that, and they're just gonna keep rolling with Mariota for that reason. But I mean, just looking ahead, like I know this team could be in the playoffs, but just being realistic, it's um, if they make the playoffs, they're most likely not going to go on a huge run. Hate to be a Debbie Downer, but that's just the truth. And um, seeing Ritter and what he has is like an important question needs to be answered for this team's future, because I don't know what they want to do with quarterback, like what their long term plan is, really. And um, I don't know if they have any like idea if Ritter can be that guy if they want to draft a quarterback next year in the first round, if you know they want to go after a free agent like Lamar Jackson, I just have no idea. So mm-hmm. I think personally seeing what Ritter has is uh, something that needs to be known, you know, if, if you'd get what I'm yeah. saying. No doubt. I mean, our leading receiver was Kyle Pitts, two, two receptions, 27 yards. I mean, that's yeah, they unacceptable. Were, they, yeah, I mean, they were, they're going to run the ball a lot more now too with Patterson back. Like it's they ran the ball a ton without him and he's – like a really good running back. So it's going to be a lot more. And it's just, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Mariota to mess up, which like he did in that Panthers game. He um had a couple of just terrible picks in that Panthers game. Yeah. And he had to throw the ball. Like he had that first play of the game pick and then that terrible one in overtime. So if he starts acting like that or playing like that again, then I think the Falcons are definitely going to be pushed a little bit more to play Ritter. Um, but I think for this game in particular, he just like the sample is so small, man. Like he just, they don't throw the ball. It's hard to really tell. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So you got any more uh, thoughts on these birds before we move on to the Hawks? No, I don't. I'm I'm looking forward to watching them on primetime tomorrow, man. I think uh I think we're gonna come out come out hot, beat the Panthers again. I hope so. It's a big game. Big game. Game you need to win, um, for sure. So uh yeah, we'll move on to the Atlanta Hawks now, who um had a very, very good week um since the last time we recorded. They are undefeated three and oh with three really good wins. Um, they played the Knicks, the Pelicans, and the Bucks. Uh, the Knicks aren't the greatest team in the world, but they're solid at best. They're not uh, just bottom feeders. Uh, the Pelicans are good, very talented team, a uh, lot, lot of good players with them. And then the Bucks, uh, going into their game uh, the other night, they were 9-0, the last undefeated team in the NBA. 
and uh, the Hawks won all three of these games. We'll get into the Knicks, game, the Knicks game first, which was pretty wild game. All these games were wild in their own way, really. Uh, but this one in particular was just very weird. Um, but things started off very bad for Atlanta in this one. They trailed by as many as 23 points in the first half. The offense was dreadful the entire first half um, outside of DeJounte Murray, who has just been outside of his body the past three games. He has been incredible. Um, Trey was bad first first half. Um, he's had an overall rough start to the season. Um, pretty much everybody was bad. I don't need to list off all the names. Everybody but DeJounte was bad pretty much. Um, but uh, DeJounte really kept them in this game in the first half, especially late in the second quarter um, when the Hawks were able to claw back into this one and uh, get things just somewhat close at the half um, as uh, they outscored the Knicks 36 to 33 in the second quarter. Um, but uh, the second half, the Hawks just absolutely dominated the Knicks. So it was really just the third quarter because the fourth quarter um, became a lot of garbage time, but they outscored the Knicks 32 to 10 in the third quarter. That's um, very impressive. Some of that is the Hawks being good. Some of that is the Knicks just being bad. Um, but uh, the one stat that I have here that is just generally just impressive and wild is that um, from 659 left in the second quarter to 228 left in the fourth, the Hawks outscored the Knicks 81 to 39. That's 42 point difference. <laughs> so that's pr- it's pretty, yeah, pretty insane. There's just a story of two halves. Um, can't say enough good things about DeJounte Murray. He kept the team in the game. Um, so yeah, what, what are your thoughts on this, this game as a whole? Uh, DeJounte's performance and just the team as a whole coming alive in the second half. Yeah, DeJounte Murray. That's all I got to say. He had a career-high 36. Um, You know, he plays excellent defense. He had five steals, a block. You know, he's just unreal, man. I love watching him play. He's got great game. Yeah, he's super active on both ends of the ball. And um, that's just something we talked about this – or I talked about this in the offseason. But when they got Murray, that was just – he checked so many boxes for the team, um, offensively and defensively, just uh, a second shot creator with Trey. it's just what they needed a ton that really showed in that playoff series against the heat last year when the heat just had Trey all figured out and they can't really do anything on offense because of that. Um, he's just been great on offense, great on defense. I think he's second to the league in steals. He's just all over the place. He's just crazy good. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's really all you can say about that. We'll get into more of it with his other games right here, but um, a couple of other notes from this game, Trey got poked in the eye by, I think it was Julius Randle. And he had to leave the game. Um, his eye started to swell up, and he's been having to wear goggles. Uh, he was actually questionable for the Pelicans game because of that, but he ended up playing. And uh, yeah, this uh, would have, if they would have lost this game, would have been a three-game losing streak. So they really have turned things on his head in these past few games. As um, they looked like they were kind of, kind of scuffling a bit after that Raptors game, and then how they started off this Knicks game looked like it's like, oh man, is this like a repeat of how they started last year? But no, they are playing exceptionally well and uh we'll move on now to the pelicans game which was the most exciting game of the week an overtime win um 124 to 121 the hawks won and um trey had a good game in this one as he has uh like i said had a pretty rough shooting start to the season um but he had a good game this one 34 points and 10 assists Dejounte murray that man again had his first triple double with the team um he also had the game tank shot at the end of regulation to send it to overtime Clint Capella had his best game of the season with 21 points, 19 rebounds. Uh, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on this one? I know we were watching this one together alongside of the college football games. We, uh, we're kind of going back and forth, to be honest. A lot of stuff was on TV, World Series, football. So it wasn't super-duper locked into this one. 
but we got to watch the end of it. And it was a pretty wild ending. Yeah, Saturday was action packed with sports. Um, but th- we turned we tuned into the end of the game, and, and Dejounte took over again. He was uh, and he's so good. Uh, he was he was plus twenty one. Um, and Trey was minus six. So um, yeah, you know, it's 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 an instant impact when you have <clears throat> uh, Murray on the court, and you know he looks great, man. And and in the clutch, he looks really good. Yeah, he had that uh, shot to send the game to overtime. Um, that was obviously a huge basket that goes without saying and um, over time the Hawks just able to squeak it out won the overtime quarter 15 to 12 but yeah you really I mean I know we've talked about him so much already but you just can't say enough about him he's just so damn good it's crazy I mean I knew he was going to be good I didn't think he was going to be this good and um yeah like the the way he raises this team ceiling is just incredible really I, I mean I just don't think people naturally just considered how big of a upgrade that the Hawks were getting here with Murray. And I mean, it, it, we're showing it. It's just, it's wild how um, well he's been playing. And um, it just, it keeps going because in this game against the Bucks, who are nine and oh, the best team in the NBA. Um, and Trey Young did not play in this game with shin soreness. He leads the team and they absolutely end up blowing out the Bucks, <laughs> the nine and oh Bucks who were, have the best player in the world, in my opinion. Um, with the honest and they ended up just making this a laugher. They won by 19 points. Um, but it wasn't just Dezante in this game. There was a lot of huge contributors. AJ Griffin had the best game of his young career. He is just an absolute bucket. It's insane. Um, Aaron Holiday played well. So did his brother Justin Holiday as he hit four three pointers. Anyeka Kongwu was awesome in this game, offensively and defensively. Um, but uh, it wasn't always great. The Hawks got off to another kind of slow start in this one. Uh, they trailed by 11 points at the end of the first quarter. Brooke Lopez and Grayson Allen were just absolutely <laughs> destroying them early on. They were, couldn't miss a shot. I think they made the Bucks first six threes or something, five or six, and they were five for five, and it was Brooke Lopez and Grayson Allen, which when you're playing the Bucks, you don't think it's going to be those two guys killing you. So that, that was kind of scary because if it was if Brooks, Brooke Lopez and Grayson Allen are killing us, it's only a matter of time until Drew Holiday and Giannis get in on the mix and then it could be over. But yeah, after the first quarter, the Hawks just turned up, turned on the Jets and just beat the hell out of them. I mean, I guess they're just a slow starting team, but yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. What, what do you get on this one? <laughs> yeah, you saw that in all three games. They just get a slow start and then they pick it up in the second right before half and then they come out in the second half just, you know, on fire, man. And, you know, <clears throat> the player of the game was A.J. Griffin. Uh you know, he had 24 points off the bench, 10 of 15 shooting. Um, he was plus 28 that night, best on the team. And, uh, you know, I've, I definitely think he's earned some more minutes. Um, Nate McMillan has a history of not playing rookies. I've kind of noticed that um, the past couple of years with the Hawks developing players. Um, but you, you got to have that guy on the court, man. He's, he's definitely earned, um, you know, at least 20, 25 minutes a night. You know, see what he's got, man. He looks good. And uh, I know his three-point shooting is excellent. So, um you know, also Jalen Johnson, excellent defense. Um, you know, he played great. I think he was two steals, a block. You know, he was he was also plus uh, plus fifteen on the night. So, you know, yeah. I really look at the plus minuses and and see your impact on the team. I think that was huge, and it was it felt great to to get the Bucks back and uh, give them their first loss of the season for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, really, if you look like looking at the box, like you said, the plus minuses, just looking at the bench and what the bench did was absurd. I mean, AJ Griffin was second on the team in minutes. He only played one less minute than DeJounte Murray, 
which you would think in a game without Trey Young, DeJounte Murray is going to play at least 40 minutes. But, I mean, the bench was playing so well in the second half that Nate just rolled with him. He rolled with AJ. He rolled with Jalen Johnson. He rolled with the Holidays and um, Anyeka Kongwu because they were all just playing so good. I mean, Kongwu plus 22, AJ Griffin plus 28, Justin Holiday plus 18, plus 15 for Jalen Johnson. I mean, it like you said, the, Nate has – has a history of just not playing the young guys like he probably should. Um, but I think his hands were kind of tied here a little bit with Trey being out. They had to have some offensive creation and AJ Griffin it, it can supply that he is, you know, for how old he is and it's, it's pretty wild just how good he is on offense already in the NBA. You know, he's still going to have his um faults defensively as all rookies probably will. But I've, I think even defensively in this game, he was solid. Like he wasn't just he's not he wasn't Trey Young on defense, which uh, yeah. sorry for the sorry for the shot there, Trey. But <laughs> but um, yeah, he um he was very good. Um, And I mean, that draft pick, the early returns on that are just looking really good. I mean, he was a huge value at number 16. The only reason the Hawks were able to get him is because some teams are scared of his medicals and he seems perfectly healthy to me. So I don't know what teams thought was wrong with his knees. The, his x-rays must have looked like sawdust or something because I just don't know how he made it to 16 in the draft. It's a, it looks like a crazy steal already, and he's just he's impressed everybody so far. And, uh, absolutely, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's all the Hawks games from last week. Uh, they play about an hour or so right now. They play the Jazz tonight, who are – Probably the most surprising team in the league this year. They're leading the West right now. First place after, in the West. Yeah. Yeah. After they were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league after trading away Gobert and Mitchell. So they're they're a good team. Um, I don't know how how good. I don't think they're this good of being first in the West, but <laughs> definitely at least solid. And um, you know, a game that you probably looked at preseason was like, oh, this is a win. Might not be as easy as you thought it would be anymore because the Jazz are actually pretty good. Um, so, uh, yeah, we got uh, any more thoughts on this Hawks team before we move on to some uh, Braves talk? Yeah, you you, you kind of look at this part of the schedule and you think, um, you know, Jazz would be an easy game, you know, but it's not. We've got 76ers back to back, back to the Bucks, the Celtics, and then the Raptors that just whooped us. And um, the Cavs. <laughs> and then the Cavs. The, the Cavs look good, man. Yeah. Um, Donovan Mitchell's looking really, really, really good on that on that roster. I think it was a pretty even trade. Uh, as of right now. So, um, yeah, yeah, just, just keep your yeah, schedule's, pr- schedule's pretty tough um, looking ahead here. I didn't even notice that I got this tough. But then after that, it kind of gets a little easier with the Kings and the Rockets. But, um, yeah, Sixers, Bucks, Celtics, Raptors, Cavs, and then the Jazz tonight. That's no joke. And, yeah. Uh, that, that'll be a good test for us, see how, how good the Hawks are playing early in this season. Like a good litmus test, see just how solid they are. You know, they've got – to bad starts and back-to-back seasons up until this one. So it'd be good to uh, kind of keep things rolling the way they are. They're seven and three right now, which is very good. I think they're third in the East. Off the top of my head. I don't know. I don't have the standings in front of me, but um, uh, they're fourth. fourth. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Early in the season, be looking at standings, but um, still a great start for the first, through the first 10 games of the year, seven and three. And um, yeah, that's all I got on the Hawks. Uh, so we can move on to the Braves who we can talk about some offseason stuff finally as the World Series has ended. Um the Braves actually made the first move of the entire MLB offseason on Sunday. It wasn't uh, anything flashy. It wasn't signing back Dansby or anything like that, but um they acquire outfielder Sam Hilliard from the Rockies for uh, a right-handed relief prospect named Dylan Spain. Um Sam Hilliard 
was pretty bad last year for the Rockies. Um, he had a 184 batting average and a 544 OPS hitting in Coors Field. So that's definitely not good, especially for the ballpark that he played in. And uh, Dylan Spain was a 10th round pick in the 2021 draft for the Braves. So, I mean, looking at um, some of Sam Hilliard's peripheral stuff, he is very fast. He can play all three outfield positions. He's a good defender. Um, so it just kind of seems like a, a bench piece for the outfield. Um, I mean, I don't have any super strong opinions on it. I like it, I guess. Like, it's nothing moves the needle here really for me. Um, the one thing I did note here, this kind of looks like it might be the end of World Series champion Guillermo Heredia, which is sad, but um, Heredia was pretty bad last year. And I think Hilliard is probably a little bit of an upgrade um, with the speed and probably a little bit better defender and just a little bit more of a high upside bat. So uh, what do you think of the move here? Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't know too much about Sam Hilliard. Um, looking at his baseball reference, ever since his his rookie year, he's kind of kind of fallen off a little bit. Maybe a new change of scenery will help him out, you know, coming back to to the Braves. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, kind of a guy that you get in the, the system and, you know, see what he's got. I mean, he could, he could make roster if he, um, you know, knows his role, plays his role well. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's all I've got on him. So we'll yeah, see. definitely. I, th- I think it was reported that there's going to bring him into spring training, have him fight for a roster spot. And that's, that sounds about right to me of what you do with a move like this and uh, a guy like this. I know some people, some Braves fans, man, they just, they 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 saw this and they're like, what the hell is this? Like, why are we doing this? Like, and like, not every move is gonna be, like, gonna move the needle for you. I hate to say it, but I do kind of get a little bit because it was the first move of the off season, and it was just like it wasn't a big move. I get it, but whatever. I just wanted to mention that because some people were just kind of going nuts about this. It's like, calm down, Sam Hilliard. <laughs> it's fine, I promise. Okay, so yeah, we can get to more some some more exciting stuff now. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. Hard-hitting question to open up the off-season preview. Will Dansby Swanson be an Atlanta Brave next season? Put you on the spot. Oh, man. I I, I do not think he will be. I think he – uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I mean, word came out that he declined a $100 million contract, which that. is <clears throat> kind of a bargain for him. I think with the years the, – the last two years he've had, he's had, he's – He's, he deserves a, a pretty good chunk um, of money. And, you know, I think he wants to see the market a little bit. You know, there's there's a ton of good uh, shortstops on the market this year. And so we have some options. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I've got my eye on Trey Turner, of course. You know, he's going to draw on a, a ton of money. But I kind of want to stay stay away from the Scott Boras's, uh clients because, you know, you have Bogarts and um, – Correa, Correa is with Boris Correa. too. Yeah, Correa. Uh, Trey Turner's not with him, I don't think. No, no, him and Dansby are are not with uh, Boras. But I know Dansby that... is with Freddie's agent or Freddie's yes. ex agent. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be a little interesting there. But um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to impact negotiations with that. That's an interesting wrinkle. Um, but yeah, talk about that. Um, deal the Braves offered. I get why Dansby would decline that. Um, but it's not like a slap in the face from the Braves. Either. Like that's a hundred million dollar contract. You know, if you had told someone in um like 2018 that Dansby Swans would be offered a hundred million dollars, you would probably say that that you're crazy. But I mean, he had a great year last year. Like it is what it is. I mean, the thing that scares me is that you're going to be paying for that year. Sorry, I just got a phone call. I don't know if you could hear that, but I got a phone call. Anyway, um, yeah, you have to be paying for that year, which was last year. Um, he was awesome. He had a 115 OPS plus. 
15% above league average. He might win the platinum glove at shortstop. He already won the gold glove. Like he was awesome. He was almost worth six war. So, I mean, he was great. Um, and it just kind of scares me a little bit because he's notoriously streaky. You kind of saw it this year. He was had the terrible start, then was like the best hitter in baseball for two weeks. And then wasn't terrible for the rest of the way, but was just kind of average, you know. But still, all, the, all together, he had a great year. Um, but yeah, I kind of want to talk about, you already mentioned Trey Turner and Correa and those guys. Um, I kind of want to get into those guys, see what you uh, think about them and what's your uh, what's your limit with with their kind of contracts. Would you be willing to hand out $300 million to one of these guys? Uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. I just got, it's going to be so tough. Um, you know, you kind of have to have a pecking order here because um, if you don't, if you don't get one of the the top guys, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to kind of crawl back to Dansby and and you you might have to overpay. You know this position is, you know it, it doesn't go, you know, for granted what 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 we've had the past couple of years with with the defense and the the clutch hitting from Dansby. So, um, you know, I'm thinking around twenty twenty five a year. Um, you know, I just I just don't see us giving Dansby a a contract that exceeds. Um, I don't see a, a contract that exceeds six years here at shortstop. Um, you know, we've got our our young core tied up for cheap, so we we do have a little bit of money to spend. Um, it just it just all depends what the market calls for. Um, a lot of big names, so. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. I mean, last year's shortstop class was crazy. I mean, um, Carlos Correa was part of that one also, and he opted out of his contract. Um, I will say this, Terry McGurk, the Braves chairman, he works for Liberty Media. He's kind of like this, the the face of Liberty Media, really. he's People like perceive him as the owner, pretty much. He says that he wants to get the Braves into top five in baseball and payroll, um, which that's exciting to hear. Um, the Braves obviously make so much money they print money every game every home game it's pretty wild um so i think i mean the, i there is been some talk as as if the braves could go for a stopgap shortstop for like the next couple of years and then try to get somebody else down the road i don't see that like it's going to be one of these four guys dansby correa turner bogarts i would be pretty surprised if it wasn't i will say if it's not one of these four guys then Aaron Judge might be standing in left field if it's not one of these four guys. Um, that's like the only way in my mind that this could work, or unless they've made like a huge trade that we can't even think about right now for something we just can't even see. But um, yeah, just Dansby, he just he kind of screams, and this is kind of rude to Dansby. I don't want to be rude to him, but he screams like Javi Baez of last year. Javi Baez got a, a six for 140, I believe, is what he got, and he had a very similar um contract here to Dansby like the numbers overall were like he I think he's a little bit better at the plate but Dansby was a lot better in the field mm-hmm. and Bias just had a terrible year with the Tigers I don't, I don't think Dansby would, would be that bad but it's just like it seems like the the easiest comparison for Dansby I just like I've gone back and forth on it I think I I think the Braves are going to bring him back but not by a lot it's like probably like 55 45 in my mind Dansby versus the field but um, I think I've made up my mind. If I'm the Braves, I'm getting Trey Turner. I think yeah. that's the move. I think I, I don't know what their thoughts are on him or the other um, shortstops. I'm not gonna be mad if they got Correa or Bogarts. They're those guys are awesome too. But um, the Braves just they haven't made their 
crazy Death Star move yet, if you know what I'm saying. They haven't made the all-in. I mean, they've won a World Series, but they haven't made the like like the Dodgers make it every offseason. Mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman, Trevor Bauer, Mookie Betts, they do it every offseason. The Braves haven't made that. I mean, yeah. some people might try to say Matt Olson. That was just replacing Freddie. That's not like that didn't add to the Braves, you know? And Trey Turner over Dansby is a huge upgrade. That's that's all I can say about it. I think Trey Turner is probably the best shortstop in baseball. He's easily the best hitter. He's a good defender. Not as good as Dansby, but a good defender. And um, if I was the Braves, I would pay him whatever he wants, get him in the building. You have all these young guys locked up for cheap for a reason to go out and get expensive free agents. So I think now is the time to do it. I don't know if they will, but that's the, that's my overall feeling on it. So, no doubt. I, I'm, I think you I'm, said that you're a Trey Turner guy too. I'm I'm 100 on board with Trey Turner. I mean, I yeah. think he's got the sickest slides in the game. He does. Um, he's so he, fast. He hits for power. He hits for average. I mean, he he is so good. And and if my prediction here's my prediction. So I think Trey Turner. I think Trey Turner goes early. You know, if if we don't get him, I think we're gonna have to fall fall back on 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 Dansby and Bogarts. I, I think Correa is out of the question. I think he's gonna draw too much money. Um, you know, I think my second choice would be Bogarts. You know, I think he fits. He he would fit in excellent with with the culture and the team that we have built. Um, you know, I would love to see Xander Bogarts in a, in a Braves jersey next year as well. So, a couple options. Yeah, I think Xander is the oldest out of the all the shortstops. He's 30 right now. Uh, Trey is 29. I think Dansby is 29 too. And I think Correa is 28. So I think if you go Xander, you could get like a – it's going to be a shorter-term deal, which will save you a little bit of money. Um, so I could definitely see Xander as a possibility. He was awesome last year, and he ended up being really good defensively too for the Red Sox. So, I mean, I'd be fine with Correa, Bogarts. Even Dansby, if they brought Dansby back, I'm not going to be mad at it, unless it's just for like a ridiculous amount of money. But mm-hmm. even if it's for a ridiculous ridiculous amount of money, it's not my money. And that's just, <laughs> that's just proving that the Braves are willing to spend. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see, man. I can't I can't really get a read on it. Um, but, you know, Dansby, he's the longest tendered Brave, and they've shown that they're not afraid to move away from those guys. If you look at last offseason with Freddie. So, um yeah, I mean, I think Anthopolis is going to do what he thinks is the best move. And I just have a hard time looking at this free agent field and saying that Dansby is the best move to make. Mm-hmm. No disrespect. He had a great year, but it's really just a, more of a compliment to these other three guys because they're just that good. And um, yeah, I'd be willing to shelve out whatever it takes to get Turner. Turner's my number one, easy 1-1. One, one. I think... um. I probably lean Correa a little bit over Bogarts just because he's, I think he's just as good defensively as Dansby is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bogarts and Turner are solid defenders too. So you're not going to be like, it's not going to be like you're putting just some, um, like a bad defender over there. Um, so yeah, those are, those, that's my overall thoughts on it. You got any more um, thoughts on the shortstop situation before we move on to some, some other positions of need? Uh, no, I don't. I'm I'm excited to see what they do. I know AA is going to keep a uh, tight ship, and we won't we won't hear about it until it's official. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, um, it'll probably just be the Braves tweeting out that they signed whoever <laughs> out of nowhere. Which I lo- I love uh, the off season for the Braves because it's just out of nowhere. There's really never any build up. It's just they just drop it on you. And I love it. It's great. Yeah. All right. So um, move on. I got a uh, Braves roster pulled up right in front of me. Their current roster. This is including any of the free agents. So 
Danzer's not on here. Kenley's not on here. No gross man. Um, so I kind of want to talk about the outfield now. Uh, left field was terrible last year for the Braves. I think everybody knows that between um, Duvall getting hurt and he didn't have the greatest season when he did play. Eddie was terrible. When Ozuna played out there, he was bad. Um, what do you think the Braves should do with left field? Do you think they should just run it back with uh, signing Adam Duvall and platooning him with Eddie? Do you think they should try to move Von Grissom out there? Is there another free agent you had in mind? What do you think about that situation? Yeah, so so Eddie was rough last year. Um, you know, his his whole eye situation, he never really got settled in. And then he was out, missed some time, and then he he was not the same when he returned. So, you know, I, I think you kind of have to see what you have in him. Um, not saying that they don't make a move, um, but I would like to see if if he can return to his Babe Ruth form as he did in the postseason. You know, I know that's not realistic, but, you know, if, if he can hit for average and, and play okay defense, you know, he's he can hold it down in left field, no doubt. Um, but you can definitely upgrade over him. I mean, it all depends what happens at shortstop. If we've got the money to spend to, to go get another guy or maybe trade. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, no doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier a second, we won't talk on this a lot, but Aaron judge is a free agent. I don't think the Braves are going to sign him, but that could be a crazy move if they want to get really wild with it. But um, outside of that, uh, looking at the, the free agent field for outfielders. Um, here are some of the names. Adam Duvall, obviously, he's a guy. I think that's probably the number one contender for the Braves to sign to bring back. Old friend Jock Peterson's a free agent. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, free agent. Joey Gallo. I don't know how you feel about that one. I don't love that. No, um, no, those, no. Those, those are just left fielders. Um, Brandon Nemo. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I, I don't want him on my team just because I don't want to see him run to first base. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that would love that – would, that would be comedy if Brandon Nemo was on the Braves. Um, Mitch Hanniger, he's he's a solid corner outfielder. Mm -hmm. um, Michael Conforto, who didn't play at all last year, so you might get him for cheap. Um, yeah, the, and Michael Brantley, too, was the guy. Who, Michael he, Brantley. I, I kind of have him circled because I think the Braves – I saw the him. tweet. I saw yeah. the tweet. You, you, the Braves you're, you're... have been linked to him before – in the past offseason, so I think that they might try to go get him. Um, he's kind of old. He's 36, and he was hurt last year, so I don't know how they feel about that, but um, I threw it out there into the ether that Michael Brantley might be on the Braves. Uh, so which one of these free agents do you like? If uh, Which one would you like to bring in, if any? Um, Is, is J.D. Martinez a free agent? He is. He's under the DHs. Okay. Um, He would be interesting. Um, it's not really an upgrade. They, they kind of need a DH too. <laughs> so, yeah. Unless it's Contreras, which that might be the answer there. I don't know what they think. Yeah, about I wouldn't that. be I wouldn't be against that. I mean, Michael Brantley, you know, hits for average, gets on base. Um, you know, he's he's average in the outfield, but he's 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 good. Um I I, I would like to see Brantley. I don't think you bring Duvall Duvall back because he just had such a big drop off in power. He he wasn't hitting home runs and he, you know, he's not an average guy. So I you know, he plays good defense. You, you can't take that for granted, but um, I, I just don't see him bringing Duvall back. Um, he kind of went out on a bad note. Um, you got AJ Pollock. Yeah, he had a pretty rough year last year. So, I mean, they could bring him in and they'll just be for, for the cheap. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. There's so many outfielders. They could trade for somebody that we don't know about right now. Um, 
I don't know. I just said I said Duval because it seems like a brave scene to do just to bring him back on a one year deal. Like I could just it's like I can just imagine it out in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's there's a lot of options. I just you can't just roll Eddie out there on opening day, and that's kind of that goes the same for Ozuna too at DH. Like if it's just like you can't do it. You can't do that being serious unless like you do something crazy somewhere else. Like Trey Turner. The only way either of those guys can start the season off at their respective positions is if you have Trey Turner and another good outfielder or DH. And then Eddie can be the left fielder, or then Ozuna can DH. But I still don't like Ozuna DH. And by the way, speaking of Ozuna, did you see they try to trade him for Patrick Corbin at the deadline? Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> that would have been an all-time money swap right there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and um, I imagine that the Nationals said no because the Braves asked them to eat some of – um. Corbin's contracts I think he makes like 35 million dollars next year <laughs> so if they just said no and the Braves were going to take all that money then the Nationals are crazy but I just can't imagine how that happened but they try to trade Ozuna for Corbin and Abisel Garcia on the Marlins both the deadline and they didn't happen so I don't know what they're going to do with Ozuna if they're going to try to trade him or if they're just going to cut him or if they're just going to roll with him again I have no idea um yeah what do you think about what they're going to do with Ozuna because I just I can't get a read out of it because they try to trade him at the deadline. And then they start starting him in the playoffs every game. Like, I don't know what they're trying to do with him. Yeah, they've, they've really played their cards weird with Azuna. I thought um, I thought we were just going to eat his contract last year. I think we're still going to eat his contract. Um, I just, you know, he he's really fallen off since that COVID year. I think it was, uh, you know, kind of a fluke with only 60 games. But he really yeah, carried us it throughout seems the playoffs. That way. Yeah, yeah it's, it seems that way. Um. Yeah, that's that's something that I, I have no idea what's going to happen there. I, I can't imagine that he's just the DH on opening day. Um, because I talked about Contreras a little bit. Uh, the Braves also have Manny Pena's on the team next year for being the backup catcher. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen there if they're going to try to trade him, but they could just keep him as a backup for Darno and just tell Contreras that he's the DH full time. I could see that happening. Yeah. Um. Uh, and I think that's I think that's about it. Um, I guess we could talk about Kenley real quick and just uh, reliever. Do you think they can? Do you think they'll bring back Kenley? Because I don't think so. I think that's that ship has sailed probably. Yeah, yeah, I think it has too. I mean, I just I think Anthopolis said that they would love to bring him back, but I think of course you're going to just going to say that. But um, when they got Iglesias, that made it kind of clear that Kenley was on his way out. But and I just, I just can't imagine Kenley taking a role anywhere where he's not the closer, and. Iglesias needs to be the closer next year, bottom line. I think he proved that and then some uh, this year. Uh, so, yeah, you got any more thoughts on what the Braves could do this offseason? You think they're going to get Jacob deGrom? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I think we do get Jacob deGrom, man. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. I, I saw an article that said the Mets are are worried. Like I saw that, too. I just don't think they're going to get him anymore because they signed Morton. I'd be like, I'm not complaining, but I just don't. I just don't think so. I don't know though. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with Max Freed coming up uh, next year's his contract year. Um, they've already gone to arbitration with him, I think. Um, but it's it you know, it all depends where you want your money tied up. I think Degrom is gonna. Do you think Degrom did, gets a long a long term deal with his with his injuries? I think he's gonna get like the same contract that Max Scherzer signed last year, which was like I think it was like three years, one hundred and forty million. Mm-hmm. With like a, I think there might be an option for a fourth year or something, because not only is he injury prone a little bit, he's also thirty five years old, which I know yeah. he's still, like he's still great, 
I, I like Jacob Degrom. He's the best pitcher in the league still, in my opinion, when he's when he's healthy. But he's thirty five. Like I know they're like Verlander and Scherzer, and some other guys have proved that you can pitch pretty late into your thirties and even to your forties. But still, mm-hmm. it's just that's a that's a hard roll to dice there, of committing like forty million dollars a year to a, a starting pitcher that could be hurt. And um, I, I don't know if he, he when like when he's going to fall off or if he will anytime soon, but there's a, you're always running the risk there. Um, so I just don't know. I don't see it. I think when they got Morton back, I still don't love that, by the way. Um, yeah. I, I just think that kind of ended that. But apparently the Mets are worried about it, and there's still that Busteroni <laughs> report that the Braves are the number one contenders to get him. He's from Florida. I know he wants to be closer to home. So yeah, same with Trey Turner. Home. Trey Turner's from North Carolina. Right yeah, next bring door. Him. It's like a, bring it's like all. an hour and a half drive, dude, over here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's all I got. Um, on the free agency, uh, free agency opens up tomorrow on Thursday, so could be as early as tomorrow. I, I, w- I wouldn't bet on that, but um, that's definitely a possibility. So, you got any final thoughts on this? I do actually have a final thought. I actually have breaking news. All right, so the Is it Braves. Jacob Rizzi? The Braves just traded. They 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 traded for Col- Colby Allard, former Brave. Oh, Braves legend. Former Brave and uh, from the Rangers in exchange for right-handed pitcher Jake Odorizzi and cash considerations. Oh wow! I I knew Odorizzi had to opt in or opt out by tomorrow, so I guess he opted in and they traded him. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. Oh or, wow! Or yeah, I guess he. Well, I don't know if he if he did opt in or not or. I think he'll have the choice with the Rangers if he wants to opt in or become. Yeah, a I know agent. he has to. He has to do it by tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Wow. Okay. So that hey, clean up a spot for Degrom. <laughs> we just opened up a starter spot. That's what I want to hear right there. <laughs> All right, that's one way to end the episode. Some breaking news. That's great. <laughs> All right, you got anything else above that? You got any more breaking news on you? <laughs> nope. I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. <laughs> uh, All right. Okay. Evan Passon over here. I like it. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we I think we covered it all um, for all three teams. So uh, we'll be back next week. Another episode. If you made this far listening, I really, really appreciate it. And I uh, will see you in the next one.